Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, and it, it's good because Johnny went for years and years and never got better hardly because they would be here and then they'd be off school and then they'd be back and Right now, he's got a good group. He's just coming. So he's doing good. Uh, that's all I'm going to Thank you. Okay. I have three devotionals left. That's all. Only three. The first three people that show up up here in front can have them. If you haven't got one, you need one, starts today. Don't get it today, you need time. One. I was putting right there. Man, I thought they'd be a mad rush. I was looking for fifteen people come running. All right. Everybody good today? I'm glad to see all of you today. Glad that we're able to be here to worship the Lord. We come for that purpose. Yeah, well, bulletin week. Be sure to make a note of the announcements in the bulletin. This afternoon, four o'clock, Deacon's meeting, and then this Wednesday night will be our business meeting, our quarterly business meeting. So be sure to make a note of those activities in your bulletin. Uh, next Sunday morning, Rick Gage will be preaching here. And Sunday evening, uh, there will be a service out at uh, Community Christian Fellowship, which is a follow-up rally for the crusade that we've had. Uh, and uh, so I, I hope that you'll plan to participate. We will have services here next Sunday night. Next Sunday morning, Rick will be here and he'll be preaching uh, in my place. Uh, my grandson, Mason, uh, Many of you remember when Mason was born, and uh, he's graduated from high school. So we're going to go for his graduation and, and uh, just take a few days to be able to spend down there uh, with our older grandchildren. Uh, so be sure to pray for us, pray for Rick, and plan to be here uh, uh, to participate in worship services next Sunday. Uh, altar flowers today are provided by Ron and Betty Wilson in celebration of their 24th wedding anniversary today. So, congratulations. Go here.
as you leave home, as you go to your next phase of life, the new season of life, take this book with you and guard it and read it and heed the message that's in it. As I call your, your name, uh, if you will, just come forward and I'll present you uh, with your Bible. We'll recognize Uriel Castro. Is the son of Romaldo and Elia Castro, and brother and brother-in-law of Valiant and Roger Q. Um, Uriel plans to attend PJC to study graphic design. Next, we have Blake Merrick. Blake is the son of James and Stacy Merritt. After graduation, Blake plans to attend PJC and then transfer to Texas A&M to get his degree in petroleum engineering. I'm glad I'm here. Are you glad you're here? Yeah. If you're not here, raise your hand. <laughs> Good show. Okay. We're glad that you're here. If you're visiting with us, we want you to know we're always glad to have visitors with us and we appreciate you being here. If you're visiting for the first time or if you've not ever filled out a visitor's card during Baptist Church, please do that for us today. If you'll lift your hand, our ushers are ready to give you a visitor's card. Take the card, fill it out, drop the card in the offering plate, take the pen and put it in your pocket, okay? Or your purse. Anybody that hadn't filled out a card before. All right, I'm glad you're here. We come to worship the Lord together today, and the way we like to begin that is by greeting one another. So let me invite you to stand. We're going to sing our song, and to do so, greet one another in one
All right, she returned to your places. If you will, by your kids, you will the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we're grateful for the privilege that's ours to be able to be in the Lord's house today. And we do count it a privilege, knowing that our freedom to do so was bought with many lives. Thank you, Lord, for that opportunity and that privilege to be here today. Thank you, Father, for each person that you've assembled in your house today. We know, Lord, that there's no one here by accident. But, Father, rather that you have led us, you have directed us, you have brought us safely to this place so that we would be able to have time to spend with you. Now, Father, I pray that you will help us to remember the reason we're here. And that reason is to focus on God and his will for our lives. And so, Father, I pray you'll help us today as we worship you. Help us to worship you through commitment. Committing ourselves to pay attention, Lord, even as you would speak to us. Now, Father, thank you that you love us that much, that you care about us, that you came to our rescue and you sent your Son to pay the price for all our sins and all of the sins of all of the people in all of the world for all eternity. Lord, thank you that you love us that much. Now, Lord, I pray you'll speak to our hearts, challenge us, encourage us, and strengthen us for the work that is before us. Father, we ask you to be with those who are on the prayer list. Father, there are many names there. Each one has different needs. And Father, we pray you'll fulfill those needs out of your riches and glory. Now, Lord, this is your day. We're offering ourselves to you today. You say, give us, give up, give up ourselves a living sacrifice unto the Lord. Help us today as we do that, that we might realize your work through us, touching the lives of those who need Jesus. Now, Lord, thank you for Jesus today. Thank you for being with us today. Bless us and guide us, direct us, and encourage us, strengthen us for your work, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Number 56, hymn number 56. God be the Lord. Sing just the first thing. There's a method to my
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> Anybody know? I brought something. What did I bring? Right here in my pocket. There's a string on it. Ta-da! Anybody know what that is? A what? A camera. Okay. Well, I'm going to turn this camera on, maybe. Belongs to my wife, so I don't know how it works for sure. Anybody know what that part of the camera is? See, it's sticking up. Your mama has one of those? Okay. What is it? What is this? What is it, though? What's it called? It's a lens. That's right. Thank you, Logan, for that. You know, Logan's Logan's big brother's going to have a birthday tomorrow. He's going to be six years old. Do you know that, Ronnie? There he is right there. Don't he look like a six-year-old? I thought he was going to be nine. What a, okay, so what happens to that lens? You see that lens? You want to see something neat? The lens is the eye of the camera. The lens sees stuff. Look, 
See what it sees? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Break the lens. Break the lens. Y'all see, y'all see what that lens sees? See, it's the eye of the camera. Can you see that? Look at this. You think that's bad? Look at this. Without the lens, the camera can't take a picture. But you see, with that lens like this, I can lean back like this and I can go click. Ta da! You see what it did? It record. Well, it really did. It's on there. It just went into that place where you can't find it anymore. And I thought this, and I thought this was going to be easy, y'all. But let me tell you something. Whatever goes through the lens when you punch that button, it's recorded in the little tiny computer. Back in the old days, you had film, <laughs> but it takes a picture and it's recorded in the little tiny computer inside that camera. Wouldn't you say there's a computer in there? Because it's digital. It's a digital camera. Well, let me tell you something. Um, who has eyes? Okay. How many do you have? No, you have four. You're like me. You have four eyes. Two here and two here. We used to call people who wore glasses. We used to call them four eyes. Did you ever get called four eyes, Chris? No. Well, I didn't either because I didn't wear glasses. Okay, everybody pay attention a little bit. Just a minute longer, okay? Everybody has eyes. That's very important that you protect your eyes from seeing things that you shouldn't see. Because whatever goes into your eyes is recorded permanently in your little computer up here. What's your little computer? What's your little computer? Your brain. What you see and what you hear is recorded permanently up there. So we have to be very careful, boys and girls. We have to be very careful not to let ourselves listen to trash and not to look at trash. That's bad stuff, evil stuff. We have to stay away from it. The devil wants us to go that way, but God wants us to stay away because he wants to keep our minds pure. The scripture says in Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So we need to have the mind of Christ. And we do that by protecting what we see and what we hear. Okay, everybody bow your head. Close your eyes. We're going to say a prayer. Dear Lord, help us every day to pay very close attention so that we don't look at and observe and listen to things that are not pleasing to you so that we might have the mind of Jesus Christ. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Several weeks ago, John and I went to uh, one of the churches out on South Broadway and saw the Mark family and Mark Lowry. Mark is an absolute raving lunatic. But if you listen to what he has to say, he says some really, really good stuff. But he told a story about Fanny Crosby, and that piqued my interest, and I've done a little research. 
all of the hymns that we've done this morning, the choir special, and what I'm going to do in a few minutes were all written by Fanny Crosby. Praise Him, praise Him, to God be the glory, tell Him the story of Jesus, near the cross, redeem how love proclaim it, especially the Pharisee, Jesus is tenderly calling, pass me an honor, gentle Savior, I am thine, O Lord, take the world, but give me Jesus, blessed assurance, close to thee, he hideth my soul, all the way my Savior leads me, and my Savior first of all, are all in our hymnal, written by Fanny <coughs> Jane Crosby, born in 1820, passed away in 1915. She wrote over 8,000 other hymns and gospel songs. Um, she wrote so many that she had to use a lot of fake names because the publishers didn't want so many hymns by the same person in their handle, so she used over 200 different names. But Brother David said, we all have eyes. Well, Fanny had eyes, but when she was six months old, she caught a cold. And the old folks used to say it settled in her eyes. Her doctor, their doctor, was out of town. And so they called somebody else that was kind of passing through. And he recommended hot mustard poultices for her eyes. She was blind for the rest of her life. And uh, uh, yet she did amazing things. So if you Google her and read her story, it's really quite amazing. And I'll tell you just a little bit more in a minute.
Near the end of the 19th century, Fanny was dished into the Lake Chautauqua Institute in western New York State. In those days, this was a place for Christian fellowship, great preaching, and singing of wonderful hymns. It was there that she met John R. Sweeney. After a busy day at the camp meeting, both were taking rest on the front porch of the Grand Hotel. And John asked an interesting question. Fanny, do you think we'll recognize our friends in heaven? Initially, her response was positive. Then she added, John, that's not what you really want to know. You wonder how an old lady who has been blind all of her life could even recognize one person, let alone her Lord and Savior. Well, I've given it a lot of thought, and I don't think I'll have a problem. But if I do, when I get to heaven, I'm going to look around, and when I see the one who I think is my Savior, I'm going to walk up to him and say, May I see your hands? When I see the nail prints in the hands of my Savior, then I'll know I've found my Jesus. Oh, Fanny, that would make a great song. No, thank you. I'm tired. I'm going to bed. Well, the next morning, bright and early, she met John for breakfast before they went their separate ways. She dictated the words of the hymn that we're going to do in just a minute. And then several years later, there was a man in London who was a, uh, a self-styled uh, Christ. He said he was Jesus. I'm the Messiah. And, and crowds followed him. And one day while he was speaking on the street corner or somewhere there in the, some square in London, Salvation Army Band came along and was singing the hymn that we're going to do in just a minute. And came to the part that said, I shall know him by the prints of the nails in his hands. And the crowd joined in and started singing. Somebody said, hey, let us see your hands. <laughs> And when they looked at his hands, they realized they had been following a fake Jesus. And so the crowd dispersed, and nobody followed him again. But uh, it was Fanny that wrote this. When my life work is ended and I cross the swelling tide And the bright and glorious morning I shall see I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side, and His smile will be the first to welcome me. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, and reading by His side I shall stand. I shall Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I shall know him. I shall know him. And redeem by his side I shall stand. I shall know him. I shall know him. By the First John chapter one. First John chapter one, please. I want to talk to you today on a subject that we're all way too familiar with, but we don't like to talk about it. It's the subject of sin. Amen. We know way too much about sin, about the practice of sin, but I want to talk to you today about the attitudes about sin. Several years ago, while I was pastoring in West Texas out in Big Spring, a new convert came to me with a question. He'd only been a believer for a a short time, but he had begun, as so many do, to read the Bible. He was going to read the Bible. Well, he had read other books, and he knows that to read a book, you begin at the first, and you go to the last. You begin in the front, and you go to the back. That's the way you read a book. Unless you run out of time, then you go to the back and cheat a little bit. But anyway, he had started doing that. He had read through the book of Genesis. And he had gotten into the book of Exodus when he came across a passage of Scripture which did not seem consistent to him. He had, he had studied enough and had learned enough and had heard enough in his, uh, in his, in his time, in his time on earth, that, that this didn't seem to be consistent. It seemed to contradict some of the other things that he had, that he had already learned. So he opened up his Bible and, and he looked at me and he read a passage of Scripture out of Exodus chapter 20 and verses 4 and 5. Let me read it for you. Exodus 24 and 5. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. 
Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and the fourth generation of them that hate me. So his question was this. Preacher, is that scripture saying that my children will, will suffer as a result of my sin? Wow, that's, that's a good question. It's a good question. I explained to him that the passage of Scripture that he was reading was very practical. Okay, the Ten Commandments. That's the passage we were reading out of. It's the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. And I said it's very practical. And what that Scripture says to you is that if you abandon the Lord, if you as a family turn your backs on God, it may be, may well be three or four generations before people in your family will come back to God. We have that kind of impact on our young ones. We have that kind of impact on our children. They follow us. Now, if you go to church, they'll follow you there. Maybe kicking and screaming, but they'll follow you there. Because you tell them that that's what they're going to do. Because you understand that that's what's important. Folks, people today will look for any kind of excuse to be out of church. I mean, whatever's coming along, <laughs> you know, whatever's coming along, I, I, don't, I don't have to go to church today, you know. I mean, my wife told me the other day, she said, I should have stayed home from church last Sunday. I should have stayed home from church this morning because we have company. And i got to fix dinner. Can't tell you how many times I've heard that one. <laughs> you know. My ox is in the ditch. We, we like to use anything and everything to stay home from church, you know. You, whenever, you, uh, whenever, you, <laughs> whenever you talk to your children on Saturday and they say, well, what are we going to do tomorrow? Oh, we got to go to church. Holy cow. Got to go to church? Is it a got-to thing to be able to be in the presence of Almighty God, to worship Him, to honor Him, to lift up your voice to Him in song and in prayer and in every other way? Is that a burden to you? I certainly hope not. It should never be a burden to us to be able to have the privilege by the way, and you heard me pray about it a while ago, the privilege that was bought with the price of lives to be able to be free enough to come and worship God in freedom. And folks, we need to understand that that's why we gather on the Lord's Day is to worship, to worship the Almighty. Now listen, I want to tell you something. I don't know where all that came from. It's not in my notes anywhere, but evidently God thought it needed to be said. So let us hear it from Him the way He intended for us to. Now I realize that this is not a popular subject, but we're going to talk about it today. It's found in 1 John. We're going to begin reading in chapter 1 and verse 8. The scripture actually goes all the way into chapter, into chapter 2, but we're not going to deal with that. We're going to deal with 1 John 1, 8, 9, and 10. And the subject is attitudes, attitudes about sin. 1 John 1.8 If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Remember Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And by the way, Jesus is the living word. He is the Logos in John chapter 1. He is the living word of God. Now I want you to notice there are three attitudes about sin that are spoken of here. Two wrong attitudes and one right attitude. Okay? It's going to be real simple. Two wrong attitudes and one right attitude. The only thing is I'm going to talk about them all out of order. Okay? I'm going to talk about them all out of order. The first attitude that people have about sin is found there in verse 10. They Some say they have never sinned. They have never sinned. Now, I realize that, uh, that I'm preaching to the choir here and that I don't have any people here that would say that, but it might amaze you. You see, one of the things I talk to children about before I lead them in the sinner's prayer to accept Jesus Christ is about sin. I ask them, do you know what sin is? I think it's critical that they know what sin is. If you don't know what sin is, then you don't know what you're being saved from. So it's critical that they understand what sin is. Most of the time, they'll say, yes, I know what sin is. It means doing bad stuff. It means telling lies. It means those kinds of things, disobeying your parents. Occasionally, I'll look at one of them in the eyes and I'll say, are you a sinner? Usually mom and dad sitting there and they go, no. So you're saying to me that you're not a sinner. You've never done anything wrong. They're in a bind because mom and daddy's there and they know that they've done stuff wrong, right? Mamas, you, you realize that your children don't always do what's right. Hello. <laughs> I know you're little angels that you have, but every once in a while they're going to make a mistake. They're going to mess up, right? So we've all made mistakes. They'll look up and they'll know that mom and dad, mom or dad knows that they've done something wrong, but they don't want to admit it right here in front of mom and dad and in front of the preacher and everybody. And so sometimes I say, would you like for me to ask your mom and dad to leave the room for a minute? You know, but we have to admit, we have to recognize that we're sinners. Folks, I want to tell you something. There's people today who say that they have never, they have never sinned. Folks, it wouldn't be included in the Bible if it weren't true. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We call, if you say that you've never sinned, you're calling God a liar. Why is that true? Because God says in his word, for all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. For all have sinned. For all have sinned. There's people who say that, they're, that they have never sinned because they say there's no such thing as sin. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as sin. The reason they say there's no such thing as, th as sin is because they say there's no such thing as a final authority. They say there is no God. So, you see, in reality, God is the one who created us, and He's the one who says what's right and wrong, and being like Him is what's right, and being unlike Him is what's wrong. Okay? 
So it's sin. It's sin, but they don't believe in God. They say there is no such thing as sin, and they've never sinned because it doesn't exist. Then there's others who say they've never sinned for a different reason. But their logic is just as flawed. The commentator says their mistake is that they think of sin as the kind of thing which gets into the newspaper. What they do not realize is that sin is, and it's the Greek word, hamartia, hamartia, which literally means missing the mark. Now, what mark is he talking about? He's talking about the bullseye on the target. Now, <clears throat> the way we like to look at that is, okay, God, uh, God has laid all of this out and he's given us a target. And as long as I'm on the target, I'm all right. No, 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 no. No, no. Anything outside of the bullseye is sin, okay? Anything that is less than like God. That's the reason God went to all that trouble in the Old Testament to tell us about Himself. That's the reason He revealed to us His laws and His commandments. Now, that's not to say that man had not messed some of that up, too. But I'm just saying that God revealed Himself to us so that we'll know who He is and what He's like because His plan, His desire, is for me to be like Him. And anything short of that is sin. Sin is not being bad. It's just not being as good as God is. Can I make it any more clear than that? Some years ago, there was a southern boy who was arraigned in juvenile court for stealing a watermelon. He was guilty. Everybody knew it. But before passing sentence, the judge asked the boy, is there anything you wish to say before I pass sentence? After only a moment to think, the boy asked, Judge, have you ever stolen a watermelon? There was silence in the courtroom for some time. And then the judge blurted out, no cross-examination allowed, case dismissed. <laughs> all that boy did was reveal to that judge that we're all sinners. Now, was what he did wrong? Yeah, it was wrong, because that was something that belonged to somebody else. What, was the, what would the sentence be? To pay the man for the watermelon. You know, I mean, that... Well, that would be my suggestion anyway. Tell him I'm sorry and pay the man for the watermelon. Anybody here who hadn't stolen a watermelon? Oh, I'm not going to ask that question. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. All right. The second one then is found in verse 8. Verse 8. I told you we were going to do this out of order. The first thing was never sin. The second point is no sin. No sin. Verse 8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, this it's a similar statement, but it's a little different because what it's talking about is no sin now. No sin now. There are a lot of people in our, in our culture, in our society, in this great United States, and in fact around the world, who believe that there is an opportunity for a person to reach a state of sinless perfection sinless perfection 
where I don't sin. <laughs> Praise the Lord, I wish it were true. Where you can say, I don't sin anymore. There's a lot of people say, well, God saved me from that, so I don't sin, I don't sin anymore. Now, uh, that this is a little different than what it was in, in that other portion, but it's important to realize. John was teaching Christians about... At, at that time, about the heresies, heresies of the uh, Docetic Gnostics, they declared that they practiced abstinence from all sin. They wouldn't participate in anything because they were afraid that it was sin, and they wouldn't they wouldn't allow themselves to be caught in sin. They elevated themselves to that position. It was a self righteousness. They elevated themselves to that position of sinless perfection. But I want you to listen to the words of Isaiah. You, you think that, well, well, wait a minute, this is just all New Testament, Old Testament. Isaiah says in 64 and verse 6, we are all as an unclean thing. What? Did you hear that little three-letter word in there? A-L-L, all? We are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the sight of the Lord. They're uh, the best... <laughs> The very best that we can do within ourselves is garbage. It's filthy rags. They're, they're bandages. The bandages. It literally talks about the bandages that come off of the lepers. They're filthy rags. So the best that we can do, we need to recognize, realize that we're all sinners. And the best that we can do is just garbage. It's trash. That is within ourselves. But there's another situation. Believe it or not, there are many people today and some who are involved in some religious organizations who believe that they reach a point in their spiritual develop, development where they are above sin. Now, I'm going to tell you a story about a guy one time. I was talking to him and talking to him about his relationship to the Lord. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know God. I, I know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And yet he knew that I knew that he wasn't practicing his faith in a biblical context. He was not, hear me, he was not a godly man. Well, preacher, you're judging him. All I'm doing is inspecting his fruit. And he was not a godly man. He was not a godly man. So I, I asked him, I was talking to him about it, and he quoted to me a passage of Scripture. The passage of Scripture is Galatians 2.20. And what he said was, what he did was not sin because it was Christ in him doing those things. So he was blaming his sin on Jesus. Well, Jesus never sinned. And so he can't do that. But it wasn't sin because Christ was doing it in him. And so it couldn't possibly couldn't possibly be sin. All right, I'm going to read that passage of Scripture for you because I want you to see if that's what you get out of it. Here's what it says. Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. 
That scripture does not give you the license to sin, nor does it give you the right to say that when you do the things you do that are not expected to be done, uh, expected for you to do by God, that you can blame it on Jesus. You better not do that. I wish I knew where that guy was now. It was a long, many, many years ago. But there are people that feel that way. I have no sin. If, if there's anything that looks like sin in me, it's not me, it's Jesus. Because He lives in me. Folks, don't believe that. Don't believe that. It's a, it's a joke. Folks, this Scripture is talking about the fact that we've been delivered. We've been delivered from, our, from, our, uh, from the guilt of sin. We've been delivered from the power and the authority of sin through faith in Christ. And yes, He lives in us. But He will lead us to do what is right and what is good and what is godly. Not sin. And sin is still, sin is still just missing, just missing the mark. John says for a man to say he has no sin is a simple attempt to deceive himself. We like to do that, don't we? Like to do that. We like to deceive ourselves. We, we go, uh, we go to the mirror. The Bible says we go to the mirror and we look in the mirror and we see what we look like and then we turn away and, and we look like somebody else. You know? I mean, you look in the mirror and you may be a little haggard. That's our new word, isn't it, Chris? You may look a little haggard, but if you look a little, if you look a little haggard, you can turn away from the mirror, mirror and you can walk back somewhere else and look like Superman or Wonder Woman, you know? Because we see ourselves in our mind and, 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 and we, don't, we don't really pay attention to what it's really like. So we deceive ourselves. We try to deceive God. And we try to deceive others. We don't want anybody to think that we're sinners. Okay. Three attitudes. Two wrong and one right. To say you've never sinned, wrong. To say you have no sin now, wrong. The only right attitude is this. To say now a sinner. Now, right now, right this very minute, now a sinner. If we confess, he said it's wrong to say we have no sin. It's wrong to say that we've never sinned. If we confess our sins. Now, what does the word confess mean? The word confess means agree with God. Okay? To agree with God. To confess our sins, we have to admit them as being sins. And so what he says is, if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Folks, the right attitude, the only proper attitude about sin and the only way to find peace with God is to see oneself the way God sees us as sinners and to fall onto the mercy of God, to put yourself in the hands of Almighty God, to put yourself in His mercy and His grace and allow Him to cover your sins, to forgive your sins, to cleanse them, to take them away. The Bible says that He casts our sins into the depths of the sea to remember them no more. He casts them as far as the east is from the west. God doesn't want to remember our sins. He wants to erase to erase those sins out of our lives. 
We shouldn't compare ourselves to everybody else around us. And there are some people that do that. They, they say, well, I don't have any sin now because look at old so-and-so. You know? <laughs> the, problem, the, problem that it, the, the problem with that is this. We, we're trying to deceive ourselves in that instance. And the problem with that is this. We pick out the worst old boy in town, the worst gal that we know of, and we compare ourselves to them. And in light of what they're like, we're doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. But we're still sinners. And the thing to do is for us to recognize that we're sinners, to admit our sin, and to come to Him and find forgiveness from that sin. So the proper attitude towards sin is to realize we're each and every one sinners and to confess that sin to God. To confess that sin to God. Now... I want you to not overlook the beautiful promise of God in this verse, too. It says, He, God, is faithful. He, God, is just. He is faithful and He is just. Now, let me tell you why that scripture, that part of that scripture is so important to you. It's because even though you've sinned against God and you've confessed it to God, you're going to mess up again. Anybody test again? Don't raise your hand. We're going to mess up again. We're going to sin again. Sometimes we sin today. We confess it to God tonight. And tomorrow we sin the same sin again. And we confess it to God tomorrow. Listen, just be sure you really mean business with God. And you can know that if you agree with God, if you confess your sin, He's faithful and just. He'll forgive it today. He'll forgive it tomorrow. He'll forgive it the next day. Now, why is it important to continue to confess those sins? Because one of these days, you're going to be really embarrassed. You're going to go to God and you're going to say, God, I did it again. I am so sorry. And with this time, this time, maybe the victory time. This time... Maybe the time that you confess it to the Lord, knowing that it's forgiven, and that He, he, he uh, gives you a victory in your life. He gives you the strength. He gives you the courage. And that's what it takes to live our lives according to the will of Almighty God. All right, let me sum it up. Go back. Saying that you have never sinned does not change the fact that you are a sinner just like every other human being. In other words, whether you believe it or not doesn't change the fact. There's a lot of people today say, well, you know, I believe such and so. I believe believe that the Bible is a book of myths. Well, let me tell you something. Even though you believe the Bible is a book of myths does not change the fact that the Bible is the holy word of God and that God is a supreme being. You don't believe in God? You say, I don't believe in God? I'm sorry, it doesn't change the fact. He is still the one and only God. And His Word is true. Saying that you do not sin anymore is an attempt at self-deceit. It's an attempt at an unwillingness to believe the truth. It is an attitude of self-righteousness. But to realize your sin... And to confess your sin brings forgiveness. It brings relief from guilt. It brings to to you the assurance of everlasting life. And it also brings peace with God. Now, folks, there's a lot of people today who need some relief from their guilt. Guilty, guilty, guilty. 
We need relief from guilt. How do you get it? By confessing your sins unto God. He takes away the guilt of those sins. There was a woman who came to a minister one time. She was carrying in her hand a double handful of wet sand. And when she came to the preacher, she said, Do you see what this is, sir? He said, Well, yeah, it's wet sand. She said, But do you know what it means? Now, you want, I want you to think about that. <laughs> a woman comes up to you. She has a double handful of wet sand. She says, Do you know what this means? Well, he said that he, he made the proper answer to her. He said to her, I don't know exactly what you mean by it, but I'm willing to listen. She said, ah, sir, that's me. And the multitude of my sins can't be numbered. Well, in reality, if we would stop to think about it, you can't number <laughs> the sins that have been committed by you in your lifetime. Even, even the young ones. She said, that's the multitude of my sins. I can't even number them. And then she began to weep uncontrollably. And the minister calmed her down for just a minute. And he asked, where did you get the sand? She said, down at the beach. He said, okay, go back to the beach. And take a shovel. Go down on the beach and dig with your shovel in the sand until you have a mountain of sand. And then go back up on the beach and watch as the tides roll in and see the effects of the waves and the tides on your mountain of sand. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. So, what brings you and Greg to marriage counseling today? Jake from State Farm. My husband calls him all the time.